that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? I want to talk about a subject today that I hate to talk about. But you know, just because sometimes you don't want to address this subject, I've never talked about this subject before. I don't think I have, but uh, you know, just because you don't want to do it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. Now, the subject is tithing. The reason I hate it is because it has to do with your money. You know, I, I don't like talking about other people's money. You know, I can't hardly handle my own money, but much less, you know, somebody else's. But, or to give advice on how, you know, you should be spending your money. So I don't like talking about the subject because of how it's been, the tithing has been misused, uh, the handling of money in churches, uh, uh, you know, and I don't want you to think, oh boy, here's just another preacher talking about tithing. Now let me just set the record straight right off the bat. Number one, at our church, we do not pass the plate, okay? As a minister, I have a full-time job. This is not how I get paid doing this. All of this that I do here is free. I don't get paid a salary to preach, to do, is that really in the Bible, to minister to the church of God, Rocky Mount. I don't get paid a salary. I have a full-time job where I pay my own way. And number four, everything that we offer on this program is free. Yes, we give it away. Now, it's paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount. That's how we're able to give this stuff away. So for you to say, okay, he's just in it for the money, you would be wrong, greatly mistaken. Now, the reason I'm able to do this, what I do with, is that really, really in the Bible, is because, again, we have people in our church who believe in the biblical principle of tithing, that is 10% of their income. That is how this program is supported. Now, one of the things I want you to understand is that tithing is an act of worship. So for me not to talk about it, it would be like me not talking about the Sabbath day. The Sabbath is an act of worship. Uh, the dietary laws, how you treat the temple of God, your body, your body, mind, and spirit. How healthy are you when it comes to body, mind, and spirit? Because the three are interconnected. They work together. Oh, you can obsess on the body, and many people do with exercise and all that stuff, and that, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but if you're not healthy in all three areas, you're still sick, body, mind, and spirit. All of these areas are acts of worship, of ways we, we worship God with our body, mind, and spirit, with our money, with our time. Absolutely. So then we come to the subject of money, how we spend our money in relationship to God. It is an act of worship. Now you might say, well, how could this be? How could me tithing be an act of worship? Well, let's take a look at it. Matthew 6 and verse 21. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So your money reveals a lot about you. 
It reveals what you love, what you like, your desires, your passions, what you spend your money on. What, it really, what you spend your money on, it reveals what's really important to you. I can tell all of this by looking at what you treasure. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, I can tell also how grateful you are to give you an example, I can tell how grateful you are by the way you take care of what you have. Now, it's true it takes money and time to take care of things. That's true. But if I were to visit your home and your home is gone to rack and ruin, everything is in a, a disarray, you're, just, you're, you're a slob, you know, your vehicle, your home, everything about you're just a, you're just a slob. You know, there's no, way, no kind way of putting this. You know, I can tell that you're really not that concerned. You're not grateful to God. You're not grateful for any. If you were grateful, you would take care of what you have. So where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now let me, okay, that sounded sort of, you know, if you were grateful, you'd take care of what you have. Now there is such a thing as aging, getting old and not be a, being able to take care of what you have. And then you have to depend on your children or somebody else to do all this stuff for you. That's sad. I dread that day when I have to depend on, because I don't depend on hardly anybody for anything. I've always been like that. I can't do it by myself. I don't, you know, I don't, don't ask for help. But anyway, I dread that day when I have to depend on someone to do all this stuff for me. Because chances are you're not going to be able to depend on them. I can guarantee you that. But anyway, okay, 10%. Of your income. Now, a lot of people would say, well, oh boy, I can't afford to tithe. What are you talking about, 10%? Well, truth of the matter is, you can't afford, you cannot afford not to tithe is a truer statement. Instead of saying, oh, I can't afford that, no, you can't afford not to tithe. Now, 10%, you know, your government takes 33%, at least it takes 33% of my income to spend it on things like National Endowment for the Arts. And thank goodness I heard that Trump is eliminating the funding for that or something, you know, this you know, the National Endowment for Arts. You know, they had something a while back that was um, a crucifix in a bottle of urine, uh, and it said, P-I-S-S, -S, Christ. That's art. That's what your money is going to, the National Endowment for Arts. For some idiot to stand up, a to set up a bunch of soup cans, Campbell soup cans and take a picture of it and call it art. Yeah, I tell you, there are more fools in this world. And when it comes to the arts, you're going to meet a lot of fools. Art is not what it used to be. You know, I think of art as beauty, not some arranged, dis, disarranged, queer mindset, some perverted, manipulated, twisted, evil, diabolical thing that comes out of the mind of we human beings. I think of art as something beautiful. And if it ain't beautiful, I don't want to look at it. Okay. All right. Now, let me just say this, you know, at our, you know, when I talk about tithing, <clears throat> I'm not talking about passing the plate. You know, we every day, it's every Sunday, there's an offering plate being passed underneath your nose and people, you know, they put <clears throat> put $5 in and take $3 back out. They make change. You know, they, they thump the bottom of the plate and make it sound like a coin went in. And they think that's tithing. That's not tithing. That's what you call offerings. 
you know, when, when they pl pass the plate, that's just offerings. That's not tith tithing. Is 10% of your income. And yes, I believe, my conviction is, before Caesar. In other words, before the greedy IRS gets their hand on it. Before your government gets their hands on it. Before Caesar, before that, 10% right off the top of your income. God first. Why would I put Caesar before God? He doesn't deserve to be before God, I can guarantee you that. So I, my conviction is 10% right off the top. Now, the first place tithing is mentioned is uh, one of the first places you find it back in Genesis 28 and verse 20. It says this, it says, And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God, and this stone which I set up for a pillar shall be God's house, and all that thou give me, I will surely give the tenth unto you and to thee. Now notice this. It's sort of like a, a covenant or an agreement that Jacob works out with God here. He says, now number one, if God will be with me, that's important, if he will keep me in the way, number two, sort of like an internal GPS, keep my feet in the way, in the path that I should go. Number three, if God will give me food and clothing, and hopefully a shelter over my head. Uh, if you will return, if I return in peace to my father's house, peace is something that we all want, I will surely give the tithe, 10% to you. Again, it almost sounds like an agreement, a covenant that Jacob makes. You know, one of the ways that we say to God, God, thank you, is by tithing. It really is. Just, Lord, I mean, how do, how do you say, God, you know, is it enough just to say, thank you, Lord? No, you know, tithing is one of the ways that we do this. Now, what did Jesus say about tithing? Well, actually, a lot of people think he didn't say anything about tithing. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Luke 11, verse 42 but woe unto you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought you have done and not leave the other undone. In other words, what he's saying is, you know, you should tithe. The problem was they were meticulous in tithing, the Pharisees, you know, they would tie, you know, 100 little mint bush, little leaves off a mint bush, and then they would they'd take 100 and they'd separate 10 for God, 10 for God. But they passed over judgment and the love of God. And Jesus comes along and says, look, yes, these ought you have done. You should have tithed, but not left out judgment and the love of God. So what did Jesus say about tithing? And he said, you should do it. Absolutely. Now, where should I tithe to? Where should you tithe to? Do I have to tithe to a church? Well, if you can find a church that is doing the work of evangelism, you probably should tithe to it. You know, Jesus said, go ye therefore into all the world. Okay, we're talking about evangelism. We're talking about reaching other people. We're talking about bringing people to a point of connectivity with the real creator God is what we're talking about when we talk about evangelism. You know, Jesus did not say, spend $10 million to build a family life center. 
with, uh, to build a church, so with ping pong tables and bowling alley and a gymnasium, you know, and of course rent the gym out on the weekends uh, to the community so you can fly model airplanes and have basketball tournaments and entertain the community. He, he, he didn't say that, you know. Do you realize the condemnation Jesus is going to give to those who blew all their tithe money on fancy buildings and neglected the Great Commission? You know, I realize that a lot of churches, it's nothing more than an ego trip, the big fancy buildings. You know, it's like my church is bigger than yours. My dog is bigger than yours, whatever. You know, but uh, it's, it's an ego trip. I, I hear people all time. I go to that big old church, and it's it's the biggest one. It's whatever whatever the biggest one is. That's where I go to, yeah, whatever. Okay, a lot of it's just an ego trip. My church is bigger than yours, but to dodge the great commission, I think that's what a lot of churches today are doing by spending the kind of money that they spend on their buildings. They're dodging the great commission. The great commission is not a suggestion. Oh, if you feel like it, go ye therefore and teach all nations and baptize them. You know, no, it, it, it's a command. Go ye therefore into all the world. Evangelize the world is what Christ wants us to do. And, and by the way, if you believe, a lot of you believe that you're either saved or lost. And if you're saved, you immediately go to heaven. If you're lost, you're going to burn for all eternity in hell. Now, if you believe that, if that's what your theology is, if that, if that is what your church teaches, that lost people out in the world, whether they're in America or in third world countries, I don't care where they're at, that lost people, because they didn't say, I love you, Jesus, you know, that they're going to burn for all eternity in hell. If that is your conviction, then why do you even have a church building? Why are you living in an air-conditioned home? Why are you driving that Escalade? Why do you have three vehicles with payments up to $2,000 a month on your car payment? Why don't you sell off everything, get rid of the $10 million fancy church building, and go out and try to save souls? If that is your conviction that people who are lost are going to burn for all eternity in hell, what are you doing kicked back in that fancy church building, sitting on your butt doing nothing? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any Dodging the Great Commission. You're going to be in big trouble for dodging the Great Commission. So do I have to tithe to a church? Well, listen. It's the principle of giving that God blesses. Not so much where you give. It's the principle of giving 10% that God blesses. If you can learn to give over 10% of your income, you can be blessed by God. Why? Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's all about your heart when it comes to your money. It's about where your treasure, you know, where your heart, where is your heart at? Are you one of these stingy people that just got to hold on to every dime you get? You know, I'm telling you, the more you're like that, the less you will have. And then, of course, you can go to the other extreme where you're just so generous you're always giving away everything and you'll go broke that way also. But, you know, um, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is at. It's a revealer, a revealer of your heart, your money, how you spend your money. Now, notice I didn't say that you should tithe to me. And you'll never hear me say that. 
nor did I say you should give your money to, is that really in the Bible? Nor do I tell you that you should send me your seed donation and God, God will bless you if you send, if I, I don't have any gimmicks, you know, I don't have, you know, send me your donation, I'll send you a popsicle stick in the shape of a cross dipped in holy water. No, I don't have any gimmicks. Where you tithe is between you and God. It really is. Now, there are a lot of non-Christian people who tithe, who have learned the blessing of tithing, giving 10%. A lot of your Hollywood actors who don't really believe in God or have some kind of other religion, Eastern religion or whatever, you know, they believe in tithing. They have learned, they give away a lot of money to charitable organizations. Now, here's, here's the thing. I'm going to say something may, may, you may misunderstand, but the subject of tithing. If, if you take God out of the equation, if you take religion out of the equation, it still works. Tithing, st there's still a blessing connected with giving 10%. It's a principle, it's a law that works, is what I'm saying. Even if you take God out of it, religion out of it, and you give 10%, it's, it's a principle that works. And many people have found this, and many non-religious people have found this out, and they do give 10% of their income. Now, okay, there's plenty of good works out there. There's plenty of charitable organizations. I mean, Salvation Army, Boys Town, Child Fund International, Christian Appalachia Projects, Wounded Warriors, projects of third world countries that need money, a lot of rescue missions. You know, there's just a lot of good works out there in America that could use your money. Yeah, absolutely. And I really believe that what has stayed off the judgment of God upon this nation. It's not our morality, I can guarantee you that. It's not that we're confused about putting you know, men in women's bathroom or a gender identity. That's not what's causing the blessing. It's not the gay community that's causing the blessing. It's not our divorce rate, 50%, that's causing the blessing. It's not pornography. It's not, it's not our morality that has stayed off the blessing. It's not all our church going that has stayed off the judgment of God. I tell you what I think has stayed off the judgment of God. It is the fact that as a people, we are a generous nation. America has come to the rescue of other nations in distress again and again and again, and it's come to the rescue of its own people again and again and again. Americans are generous with their money. Now, I don't know how long that's going to last with the younger generation. Many young people I meet today have not even learned the principle of tithing. They're not taught it by their parents. But... As of now, we are still a generous nation. You know, churches and charitable organizations that do the greatest, they, they do the greatest work, not the government. You know, when Katrina hit New Orleans, it was the churches and charitable organizations that came to the rescue. The government couldn't get their head out of their rear end. You know, they couldn't even figure out how to take action or whatever. It, it wasn't the government. It was churches and charitable organizations that did the greatest work. And I think God has blessed us for that. 
Now, Jesus said, I will build my church. And you might think of a church building when you think about that, but the word is ecclesia. It actually means called out ones. Those that are the elect, the chosen of God, the first fruits of God. I will build my, you know, my called out ones. The emphasis, what I'm saying is this, the emphasis is not on the building, it's on the people. The work of the church is supported financially with tithes and offerings. Now, what is the work of the church? Well, let's read it. Matthew 28 and verse 19. Matthew 28 and verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know, the church is not a social club where everyone meets at their impressive $10 million building. That's not the purpose of the church. There's a song. I want to read it. Maybe I can put these words on the screen for you. Powerful song that uh, I love the words of this song. It describes the typical church. It says, there is peace and contentment in my father's house today. Yes, typical church. Lots of food on the table and no one is turned away. Yes, typical church. There is singing and laughter as the hours pass by. Yes, typical church. But a hush calms the singing as the father sadly cries. Now, why is the father crying? Well, here's the reason. My house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children all want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work my fields. No one wants to work my fields. You know, that is your typical church, what I call playing church. And the Great Commission is really no big concern. Why, I don't know. I mean, like I said, if you got a theology like some of you have, you know, heaven or hell, and if you're lost, you're going to burn for all eternity in hell. I mean, look, I know better. I know God's not calling everybody right now. So I've got a reason not to be so concerned about evangelism, even though I do a lot of evangelism. But you don't have any excuse if your theology is, got, is all these lost people are going to burn for all eternity in hell, and they're either saved or lost, and that's it. You don't have no excuse. You need to be out there beating the bushes and going out and trying to get everybody saved. Now, Paul said the work of the church would be supported financially with tithes and offerings. Let's take a look at it. 1 Timothy 5 and verse 17. It says, let the elder that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Talking about money. Especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. In other words, if someone has ministered to you, I listen to a lot of preachers and different preachers. And even though I may not agree with everything they say, if I order something, if they have ministered to my heart, I send them some money. may not send a lot, but if I order a CD or a booklet or something, I'm going to send. I don't expect to get that stuff for free. Okay. All right, continuing on, he says, for the, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Now, Paul takes an Old Testament scripture that's found in Deuteronomy 25 and verse 4 about you shall not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. Why would you put a muzzle, you know, you got this ox going around and around treading corn. Why would you not feed him? The point is, you would feed him, and that's the point of this, of the, Tithes and offerings. You know, people that labor and who minister to you, you know, the church would be supported financially with tithes and offerings. Let's look at a, 
famous scripture that's often used about tithing, but it says so much. Malachi 3 and verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee, Lord? The answer, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. You know, I mentioned that America is a generous nation, but not everybody, not everybody. This scripture says, you're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that they may be meat in my house, and prove me now, whether it says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the window of heaven and pour out on you a blessing that you shall not be, there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, you know, when God lays down the gauntlet with a challenge like that, prove me, test me. I sort of have a tendency to pick it up, you know. I sort of have a tendency to say, well, I, you know, I, I don't even have enough money to make ends meet this, this month, but I'm going to prove God. And, and God has a way, of, you know, if you take $100 and you don't tithe on it, it'll be gone before you know it. $100 in your bill. But if you tithe $10 on that 100 that 90 will go further than you ever imagined. I can't explain it. I don't know how it works. I just know it works. All right. You know, we human beings seem to have three idols. Money God, belly God, time God. You know, Lord, you're not going to tell me how to spend my money. You're not going to tell me what I can and cannot eat. And you're sure not going to tell me how to spend my time. And yet, there, are, there is this, what I call the authentic test. You know, Abraham had to be tested. And as Christians today, we sort of think, well, there are no tests to prove whether or not I'm a Christian or not. Yes, there are. There's three idols that we have. Money God, belly God, time God that uh, the three things that we hold dear to us, our money, our bellies, and our time. You know, in the military, there's this expression, I, I, sir. It means I have heard, I understand what you say, and I will do it. I, I, sir. There seems to be very few I, I Christians today. I see a lot of wannabe Christians that build their fancy theology as to why they don't have to do what the Bible says, what's really in their Bible. That's what I see. Well, anyway, I want to invite you to a special meeting. I want to remind you, April 29th, Saturday at 1.30 at the Danville Stratford Conference Center. I would personally want to invite you to, to this meeting. Uh, church service, uh, I, you know, I mentioned it was, it's a Sabbath service. It is, but there's some things that are different. Uh, we don't take up an offering, and we don't try to save people, which is probably a good thing, you know. No passing the plate, and no, oh, won't you, no altar call. Come out, visit with us. Hey, if you can't stay, at least come out and pick up some free material. A lot of DVDs, CDs, and audio, and literature that's going to be there. You're not going to offend me none if you can't stay for the meeting. The meeting should be over by 3.30, but come out and pick up some free material. And uh, also, you don't have to agree with everything I say. But I would ask you to have the mindset of the Bereans in Acts 17 and verse 11 that says, They received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. I'm going to be talking about what does the Lord require from you. Most preachers won't touch this subject with a 10-foot pole because if they did, they'd lose all their members. But I'm going to be talking about what does God require from you? If you can make it out, I'd love to see you there.
April 29th at 1.30. I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Many years ago, God inspired Moses to ask a million dollar question. What does the Lord require from you? To the person who is truly seeking God's will, this is the question. We don't need more religion. We just need to ask the right question. Exactly what does God want me to do? Come join us to find out April 29th at 1.30 p.m. at the Stratford Conference Center in Danville, Virginia. David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? would like to invite you to a special informative Sabbath service meeting April 29th at 1.30 p.m. The meeting will be held at the Stratford Conference Center in Danville, Virginia. The address is 149 Piney Forest Road, Danville, Virginia, 24540. That's April 29th at 1.30 p.m. at the Stratford Conference Center in Danville, Virginia.